Now, Pete the Vet, Pete Wedderburn, is on the line and he'll uh, take your questions. Pete, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Um, how are you managing you as a, a fraternity or sorority of vets um, with uh, COVID-19, remote working, running surgeries or what? Well, basically, um, at the start of the crisis, companion animal vets went overnight into like an emergency only mode. So we all reduced our services, reduced our hours and reduced our staff numbers. And it's only now that's beginning to change. So vets have been providing a service for emergencies all the way through this. But at, at this stage, as things begin to settle back a little bit towards a new normal, um, we're looking again at everything. Um, and we're aware that if you have a prolonged postponement of, of routine services, then things can become reach a crisis level and you can end up having a harmful effect on the health and welfare of animals. So there's a kind of a balance needed. And that's what vets are trying to work out. What's the balance? What's the best way forwards? Mm-hmm. So the best thing, presumably, is to ring your vet, first of all, if you think you have a problem, and the vet will say, bring that animal down, if the vet yeah, thinks well, no, it's critical. I, I, think, I think that's a really important point. For, for owners, the thing to do is just to phone your local vet, and they'll let you know exactly what's going on on their particular premises. Um, and yes, vets are doing some remote working. Um, you know, we, we're using video apps and phone calls to screen um, cases and sometimes to prescribe medication that we wouldn't normally be allowed to prescribe without seeing an animal in person. We are actually doing that just now to minimize the contact people have to have. But as well as that, I mean, we vets, are, we're really used to dealing with highly infectious diseases. So this is nothing new about this at all to us. And what you'll find is that your 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 own vet is, is certain to have have new protocols in place so that if you actually have to go to the vet, um, the risk of a virus being transmitted to you or you transmitting a virus to the the vets and their staff is absolutely minimal because of the kind of measures that have been put in place. Now, some questions for you, Pete. I'm Mm -hmm. walking 10k every day, 5k one way and 5k back just to be outside the house. But my dog seems fed up with me. He just doesn't want to go anymore. How can I coax him into another walk? He's a basset hound, a bit lazy anyway. I mean, are people overwalking their dogs? Are dogs getting bored with the, the walk after the walk after the walk? I think it's true that one of the things that's happening is dogs get bored with doing the same route all the time, every day. Not all dogs do, but some dogs do. So some, a very simple tip would be to vary the routine. So go on a different route. So there's different smells, different sights, different sounds for your dog, and they'll find it more interesting. I think what you can also do with some dogs that are very highly motivated um, by food is you can use food treats to encourage them to go. And that's just uh, kind of common sense. Don't feed your dog before you go and have treats, have really tasty treats, special treats right. that you know they absolutely love. And that, that'll help things along. Never fails, never fails the treat as a bribe. (laughs) Now, this one. Our golden retriever was shaved extensively prior to having TPLO surgery on the hind leg. Twelve weeks later, her hair is growing back on most of the area. However, there's quite a large area of the buttock which remains hairless and therefore very prone to sunburn. Will that hair grow back? It it certainly should grow back in time. There are some hormonal diseases that that do tend to affect middle-aged large breed dogs like that. Things like um, an underactive thyroid gland. So if, if the hair is, is very, very slow to, to grow, you might ask your vet about the possibility of that diagnosis. And otherwise, you're absolutely right. You should put sunblock on that area because part of what protects dogs from sunburn 
is actually the fur that covers the skin. So, um, yes, it makes sense if they're going out on sunny days, then put something on to protect it. And just a usual human um, hypoallergenic type child's sunblock should do the trick. Uh, to Pete, why do cats yowl at each other and can they be stopped? They yowl at each other to stop them, stop them fighting from each other, basically. It's kind of like an early warning system. Like, if you come closer to me, I'm going to fight. And so it's, it's actually a very useful way of communication. The only problem is it's not very useful to owners who get fed up with this happening in the early hours of the, of the morning. Um, the only way you can stop them shouting at each other is to stop them getting close to each other. So that means keeping cats indoors um, or, or having screens around your garden so that other cats can't get in and your cats can't go out. Physical separation is the only way to stop, stop them interacting, I guess. Another one, I have a two-year-old Newfoundland male who's been diagnosed with shoulder dysplasia. He was born with it, according to my vet, but the people I got it from said he'd fallen off a trampoline. He's on pain medication, but it's no help. Could Pete suggest any other treatment? And also, should I, a bit late, report the previous owners to the Irish Kennel Club? That's from Rachel in Cork. Well, that's all a very tricky kind of situation. Um, like the the shoulder is not one where there's a new joint you can put in there. So so the option, you know, if, if a dog has a hip that's a serious uh, congenital problem, that can be replaced. Um, and indeed, so can elbows sometimes. Shoulders are trickier. So it's a very difficult one. And it is a case of managing it with medicines and and other types of products. So and and that you have to work with your vet on that. And if 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 you like, you could ask for a referral to a specialist orthopedic vet as well if you wanted other opinions. In terms of re reporting to, to to authorities and so on, certainly you can do that. But I'm afraid there's only very limited enforceable responsibility on breeders for for puppies that are born with issues. Um, it's it's a tricky area as well. Yeah, because presumably when uh, this woman went to get the, the puppy, they were told, uh, you know, slight limp or whatever it might be, oh, he fell off a trampoline, he'll be fine. And then it turns out to be some congenital uh, disability. Another one, uh, my 12-year-old golden retriever has some arthritis for years and my vet was great and gave him injections. He, uh, he is on Arthriaid. Recently, he's mm -hmm. collapsed a couple of times. I'm concerned that he may have degenerative myelopathy he drags his rear paw but he can still walk and he even runs i've lost faith in the current treatment as they've described a two-week course of antibiotics after the last phone consultation and i didn't give the dog the antibiotics so what do you think that's uh, from a listener who's worried yes yeah, so she's pointing out a, a common um, dilemma for vets, which is the difference between a dog having weak back legs because of arthritis or degenerative joint disease or weak back legs because of pressure on the nerves in the spine or a degenerative nerve condition of the spine. Um, and they cause kind of similar appearing weakness of the back legs. The difference is that there, you have to do a neurological examination of the dog to work out, are the reflexes normal, are the, is the sensation normal, all that sort of stuff. So really, in conclusion, they just do need to get the dog physically examined by the dog, by, by the vet for this sort of situation. The, you can't really make a diagnosis at all remotely on this. Um, needs a full examination and only then can you make a, a, a diagnosis and give the right treatment. Problem is the dogs can suffer from both arthritis and um, neurological type issues. So they can have both things going on at one time and it can be fairly tricky sorting that out. Uh, I have a mini schnauzer. He's lost his hair on both sides. Recent blood tests show his thyroid function is on the low side of normal, but not showing any symptoms of hypothyroidism. Any tips? 
Well, if he's got areas of baldness or, or, or poor hair growth and he's got low thyroid hormones, that suggests that there may well be a, a connection there. Um, uh, thyroid function can be quite hard to, to, to discern and sometimes you need to do more than just one blood test. There's one basic blood test that we do and if that's dramatically wrong, there's your diagnosis. But with cases that are borderline, often we have to do extra tests looking for some of the more subtle background hormones as well as the standard thyroid hormone and they all give you a, a, a kind of detailed picture of thyroid function. So that's what you should talk to your vet about, doing some, some further blood tests. All right, Pete, there we have to leave it. Uh, Pete Wedderburn, Pete the Vet, thank you very, very much for... Uh... Joining us, that's...